0: Our names are Sam and Becky Cox. Uh, It's great to see you. Thanks for coming out. Um, Yeah, I heard Sam and Becky were announced in the Big Top. Was that right? Did you hear that on the video? They're going to be here tomorrow. Um, So, yeah, it's us. We'd like to keep you hanging. Um, So if you want to go and leave now, we won't be too offended. Um, But Anna and I are speaking today. Um, I'll actually hand over to Anna for a little bit. Anna.
1: Well, we haven't got anyone to introduce us because, you know, like we were introducing the other people. So we thought... It might be quite cool for you to meet our band that we've been playing with in the Big Top. So there's a few of them over here. Look, there's right. Luke. Can you stand up? Is that all right? Put in. Jotham's over here. Where's Jotham? Jotham's there. Jotham's on uh, percussion. Well, it looks like a drum kit to everyone else, doesn't it? It's like the double drum kit. Tr- the double duo. Lewis is on drums. Everyone wave at Lewis. Say hi, Lewis. Sarah's on backing vocals. Hi, Sarah. And Johnny. Hi, Donnie. He's on guitar. Um, yeah. These guys are amazing. And uh, you can sit. It's fine. I don't want to make you feel awkward. There's a few guys, obviously, that aren't here. We've got um, Jack and Ian and Mark and Lou and Anna, Hannah. Nathan. And Nathan. So there's a lot of us. But these guys, like, we we're speaking to you today. But these are our team. These are our homies. So uh, just... Nathan filling him at the back. Ladies and gentlemen. Shut up. There he is. Yeah, so these are our team. We do everything like with them. We can't do it without them. So it's nice for us to speak to you, but we are speaking on behalf of them as well, I guess, in some yeah, of the things great. that we say today. So love you guys. You're amazing.
0: So we got five mornings on uh, worship. Who can remember the title of the first one? Was anybody here on the first day? Great. That was Before the Throne. So glad you are listening. <laughs> we looked at the song Before the Throne as the basis for our worship. To come to the Father, to worship before the throne, we come through who? Jesus. We come through Christ. Yesterday, Jake Isaac talked us through uh, his song, Greater Than It All, looking very much about some of the shadows of our lives, looking at being honest before God, some of the darkness that we have to go through. But even in that place, we can come and bring our worship to Jesus. He's holding on to us. and He's got us. This morning, we're looking at a song uh, called Gracious, I um, want to talk to you just about the gracious heart of God and how that affects how we worship Him. I'd love us to do what we did yesterday, um, sing the song together um, before we start. But I'm aware we're fighting a lot of noise next door, so we're going to sing like double loud. Is that okay? As a as we explore. Uh, this great aspect of your character and your heart. Come and speak to us. Just pray that in your heart together. Can you just say, God, please come and show me what you're like? Just pray, Lord, let me see you afresh. The Spirit of God, hover over us. Open our eyes. Draw our hearts to you. Change our minds, God, where our thinking is warped. We don't properly think right. Transform us by the renewal of our mind today. Lord, we pray, win our hearts afresh, do something mighty amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our little seat, shall we? I'm going to speak uh, just for the first half. Uh, just want to teach you some of the things that I learned about God that helped me um, to write that song. Does that sound cool? And Anna's going to bring a bit of testimony, and then we want to actually spend some time at the end to minister and pray together. And if there are any other questions, we'd also love that. I'm going to uh, just raise up this stand. So one sec. Uh, Three things I want to speak about that helped me write this song. Our brokenness, God's heart, and God's invitation. Firstly, our brokenness. Uh, You know what? All of us have fallen short of perfection I think if you look back on your life, even at this last week, I don't think there's anyone here who put their hand up and say, I have lived perfectly. No one here does. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, actually, we're all a bit broken. And there are two types of brokenness I want to just quickly um, hone in on. Uh, we get broken by our sin. Sometimes we think sin doesn't have a consequence. Sometimes we think of sin like a bullet, you know, like, oh, you make a choice to sin To turn your back on God, and you think, I'm making a foolish choice. I know I am. I'm sinning. But it's fine. I'll take the hit. I'll take the bullet. It's my decision. I know I'm turning my back on him. I'm sinning. And we think that's it. You just take the bullet for your sin. Actually, sin isn't a bullet. Sin is a bomb. And when you sin, it's like a bomb is dropped. And it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. There's a splat. There's a splatter. There's a blast radius to your sin. And when you sin, yes, it does affect you. Yes, it causes brokenness. Yes, actually, there's a cost to turning away from God. Your heart starts to break. You choose other things. You've made a decision to not go with God. You suddenly find yourselves in a mess. But also the people around you get impacted by your sin. And the reality is, you think think any sin. You think, no, I'm in isolation. Very, very, very rarely does sin ever just affect you. It always has a splat. So some of our brokenness is you've made some bad choices. You've turned your back on God, you know, like the prodigal son. Now you're in a mess. But some of our brokenness is actually you're the other side of that mess. It's somebody else's sin has gone off. A bomb has splattered and affected you. Family breakups, um, situations, divorces, pornography, all of these things affect the people around us. Maybe you're here today and actually you're feeling broken inside and it's not even your fault. It's almost like you've been a victim in the situation and you've had splat from someone else's sin. You're broken. Um, and some of you actually, you're in the first camp. You, you, you've got brokenness. You're carrying things and it's a result of your bad decisions. Um, I guess in my own journey with God, I've been obviously a part of both places. And um, what do we do with that? Sunday morning, it's time to worship. Okay, everyone, let's worship. When you actually have a really broken place, in fact, you know you've turned your back on God, the idea of turning to him, actually deep down in your heart, you don't want to. If you ever have an argument with a mate, sometimes there's tension between the two of you. Sometimes you can't quite look each other in the eye. You haven't quite resolved it. You can maybe be in the same room together, but you're sort of half trying to avoid each other. You're not actually sitting down talking. Things aren't okay. You can always cut the tension sometimes. Do you know what I mean? The way it can be like that horizontally between you and um, a friend it's also like that with God. It's personal. Our brokenness, the way that we sin, can affect the way we are before God. Sometimes we can come before him and think, I don't want to come before you right now. I don't want to. And so the first verse of this song, if we can just put it on the song words, uh, I wanted to get to that place of acknowledging brokenness, but I guess here, from a personal sense, Time and time again, I'm feeling like I've failed you. Anybody connect with that sometimes? I found myself thinking, I don't often sing that, but I feel like I need to sometimes. I feel like I need to acknowledge the fact that I don't always cut it. Old hymns are brilliant at this, not so much with newer songs. Um, So I felt like I wanted to find an honest line. You know, that's what Jake was saying yesterday. When we come before the throne, we can come with honesty. It's okay to say, I feel like I failed you. Um, I've let down a friend. My heart aches. I think that was me trying to get at the personal. I feel like I've let you down. And I feel, even in my own journey, where that song came from, when you sin, you've screwed up, you've done things wrong, I felt like I'd let him down. I had. Um, just any songwriters in the room, hands up quickly. There's a handful of you. Go on, nice and high. Um, you know, you can write songs that are too specific in in sin. I'm trying to write lines that are kind of broad enough and vague enough that everyone can sing. I was there time and time again. I feel like I failed you. Um, you know, and I did this and I lied to this person. Well, that suddenly isolated the rest of the room. So I'm trying to write lines here that are kind of broad enough. My heart aches. I guess I'm trying to tap into the honesty of that place. And I guess in that first point, our brokenness. We're allowed to bring our brokenness to God. We're allowed to bring our sense of failure to him. As Jake said yesterday, we can bring that before the throne. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of, you what? Get behind me. It's a throne of grace. We're allowed to bring our honesty. Many of the Psalms bring kind of questions like, how long, O Lord? Psalm 13, Psalm 5, um, other places, Psalm 9. These questions, like, I failed you. Um, David's Psalm of Repentance, Psalm 51, is it Psalm 51? Um, he's like, I failed you. I've messed up. You're allowed to do that. Um, and then I guess this that whole verse is. Tried it on my own. I've ended up in pieces. Nothing good to show. I need you. Hey, I'm at the end of myself. I failed. The point one of our brokenness, we're allowed to bring our brokenness, our weakness, um, to God. Do you do that? Do you feel like you're allowed to do that in your daily devotion to Jesus and your walking with him and your worship with him? Do you feel like you need to put on a shiny face to talk to him? I know we know, no, it's all about Jesus. We just come through Christ. But sometimes emotionally, um, it's hard. You're like, oh, I don't feel like it. You're allowed to bring even those negative emotions to God. God, I don't feel like I can come to you. I feel like I've let you down. You're allowed to speak to him like that. And um, I wanted to end verse one with a question, just a little bit of hope. What if your love is bigger than my mess? And what if your grace can heal my brokenness? And there's a lot of power in, in questions in songwriting. Uh, I heard this from uh, Graham Kendrick many years ago, po- po- posing a question in a song. And when you're in that place and you're broken, just saying to someone, it's okay, God's love's bigger. Um, is helpful to an extent, but actually just to ask the question, what if? Is it? Is it really? Is it like a ray of hope? And so at this point of the song, I kind of wanted to throw a bit of a line, but not slam someone on the head. What if your love is bigger than my mess? And who's been in that place where you just don't know? You actually you don't know the answer to that question. But like, this is too big. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This is too messy. I can't do this. A question like that helps identify with that. Like, I don't know, but there might be. Um, So point number one, our brokenness. Bring our honesty to God. If it's your sin, your mess, if it's someone else's sin against you, bring it to him. Point number two, God's heart. There's a verse here in Matthew 12, verse 20, that really inspired this song. It's this, a bruised reed I will not break, a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. This is Jesus speaking. A bruised reed, I will not break. A smouldering wick, I will not snuff out. Now reeds... We don't really deal with reeds much, unless you're a clarinet player or something. But reeds were what they used in Jesus' time to make baskets. In fact, they had a big use. They didn't have the kind of refined cotton and other materials how we have, or big factories of steel. They were just using like, the, the primary resources in front of them. They would use reeds to, to weed and make, um, weave and make baskets and all kinds of things. If one was bruised and you bent it, it wasn't helpful. You couldn't use it anymore. So it would be thrown away. You just break it, it's gone. That's useless. Another reed, come on, let's get going. Jesus is saying, a bruised reed, whoo, here's the emotion, a bruised reed, I will not break. What's he saying? Your brokenness, I won't throw away. All right, next, who else can I use? Oh, you, you're not broken. Somebody who's bruised and broken, I won't cast away. A smoldering wick, what's that? It's like right at the end of the candle, you know, it's like there's really not much of a flame was a flame? not much anymore. You know, what's the point of that? It's not even giving much light. I'll snuff it out. Let's get another one. Like a smoldering wick, I won't snuff out. The fire that was roaring and is now nothing, I won't say, that's the end. I'm not like that. Can you catch the heart of Christ? His heart towards brokenness. His heart towards those who were smoldering, flickering. Something beautiful in the heart of Christ goes to the broken, and makes it whole. The grace of Jesus by nature isn't just saving grace. It isn't just grace to get us through trial. It's actually restorative grace. Grace that takes broken and mends it. Grace that takes what is small and flickering and helps it to be alive again. That's the heart of God. And it says in Colossians um, 1, where it talks about Jesus redeeming all things to himself. I love the way the message puts it uh, in Colossians one twenty-nine. It says, he takes the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe and mends them together like for his glory. When I read that line um, in the message, I think I had someone else quote it. I wrote it down on my iPhone. It so got my attention. He takes the broken, the dislocated pieces of the universe and he mends them together. For his glory. If you're feeling broken and dislocated and like, oh, I'm a mess. You think, oh, I can't come before God. No, th- that mess is the thing that qualifies you to come to God. He loves helping and healing the broken. Anybody seen Toy Story 2? Um, there's a scene in that movie where Woody, who's going to get like taken to Hong Kong or Shanghai, I think, to be sold... He gets a little nick in the stitch of his arm, and his arm comes off. This is Woody, the, the main character of the story. His arm comes off. So the guy, Al, from the toy barn, he calls his expert to come in and fix him. Do you remember? And this guy, this really eccentric guy, comes in with these glasses and other glasses and other glasses, and he, he works on Woody, this little toy. He's a toy-mending expert. Gets out the right color thread, mends it together, picks up his shoes, shines them, like resprays his face. So this toy, at the end of it, is, is brand new. It's like better than he was before. And in a funny way, that's a picture um, of what God's grace is like in our lives. He takes what's broken, he restores and makes it new, even better than it was before. Now in that restoration process, who is it that gets the glory there? Can Woody say, look what I've done, aren't I impressive? He might be impressed with the finished product, but actually the handiwork wasn't his, it was the restorer's. There's something about God restoring in our lives that actually gives him glory. He is glorified by repairing us. Do you see that? It's his handiwork. It's his work. He's glorified in it. He's worshipped by it. God gets glory by redeeming and restoring our lives. So sometimes when we hide our brokenness away from him, we're robbing God of glory he could be having. We bring it to him. Say, God, help me. He gets worship in a particular way because he restores us. But this point, too, is about the heart of God. His heart, by nature, is restorative. His heart, he welcomes broken. And because his grace is restorative, his heart towards brokenness is kind. I'll say that again. Because his grace is restorative, his heart towards brokenness is kind. But when he sees brokenness, he's like, get away. What are you doing next? He's like, oh, my son, my daughter, how can I help you? He's kind-hearted. It says in Psalm 103 and in Psalm 145 and in probably some other places, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. What a snapshot into the heart of God. What's he like? He's gracious. He's gracious. When you expect to be told off, when you expect to just be rebuked, the heart of God so unexpected, so generous, so gracious. So point one, our brokenness, we can bring it to God's point to his heart. What's his heart like? It's gracious. Why? Because by nature, he's a restorer and he gets glory by restoring things in our lives. So let's have a quick look at the chorus um, on the song words. This is me borrowing some of that language from the message. In all the world and universe, he specializes. It's like a speciality, taking failures. Oh, you're gracious. You take my mess, you nail it to a cross. That's what God's heart is like. And ultimately, that's what he did do. That's why he's gracious towards our brokenness. I'm not just offended. Christ has taken that offense on the cross if we go to the third point here, the invitation, God's invitation to us is to come and find healing. His gracious heart towards us, actually, he brings healing, not just healing, but forgiveness, mercy. Um, so, verse 2 starts with this there's healing in your wounds. It's taken from uh, Isaiah 53, a great passage on the cross. Where's the healing? It's in this book. Where's this healing? Oh, it's in a preacher I heard. Or oh, where's the healing? Oh, if I just go and do this, I'll be healed. No, the healing is actually ultimately in the wounds of Christ, in his stripes, in his, in his punishment on the cross. We find our healing. It always comes back to the power of Jesus and the power of cross. Second thing, forgiveness for the sinner. Why is that important? Why can't you just um, heal me? What's wrong with that? Well, hang about. Remember, if you have sinned, you have turned your back on God. You have fallen short. You've made a decision to not worship him, not honor him. You're actually indebted to him now. You owe him. You owe him an apology. You need to pay back what you've done. But hey, here's the good news. Christ has paid it all. Because of Jesus, God gives us forgiveness freely, which is his way of saying, hey, son, hey, daughter, you owe me nothing. I forgive you. When we come to God of our mess, we just have to stay there. It's like God, we confess our sins, says in 1 John 1 verse 9. We can receive forgiveness from God. Son, you owe me nothing. Christ has paid for it. And it says he chooses to remember our sins no more, he lobs them over his shoulder. I will not look backwards. That's in the past. Let's walk forwards. That's the forgiveness God offers us. It's not like a human forgiveness. We're not paying our way back. You feel that sometimes. You bring your brokenness to God, your failure. Oh, now I need to really lift you. Now I promise you, God, I'm going to read like two chapters of the Bible tomorrow. I'm going to get up even early. I'm going to have a prayer time with you. And what are you doing there? Actually, some of that is you're trying to pay back for what you've done. Has Christ paid for it or not? Let Him pay for it. Just receive His forgiveness, receive His love. And mercy leads me to repentance. What's repentance? Repentance is different to saying sorry. I can turn my back on God and then I can say, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is turning away from the thing you chose in the first place. And God's mercy, his forgiveness leads us not just to say sorry, but actual repentance. God, I'm choosing you. I'm turning away from my mess now. Um, I'll get to the second half of that in a minute. I want, when I originally wrote this song and I was so inspired by a bruised reed, He Will Not Break... I made the song actually about God's healing in our lives. And the song was more about there's nothing he can't restore. He heals our brokenness. It was all about how he heals. It was about the healing, restorative nature of God's grace. I was talking to one of our pastors at home and they were saying, you're missing out quite a key component that some of people's mess is actually their fault and their sin. Um, You do a massive part of the healing process is repentance. Repentance turning away from the thing you chose, the lie you believed in, the thing you thought, no, this is better than Jesus, turning away back to him. Um, repentance brings life. Repentance brings breakthrough. Some of you guys right now, you're praying for breakthrough in your lives. Actually, the biggest breakthrough you might know is just as simplest repentance. Just repent of something, um, whatever it is, and you'll see breakthrough in your life. Um... Just finally, on this last thing, just God's invitation, I turn my face to find a Father who's gracious, no anger in your eyes but mercy. Some of that feels too good to be true, you know. Surely you think I've gone too far this time. Surely, like, okay, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, that's good, but what, like, he still gets angry. If he's slow to anger, what have I seen and messed up so much, you know, like the fuse has gone that far, I've actually angered him, I've really angered God. And if I'm dead honest, I lived in the fear of that for many years. Deep down, I wasn't like daily conscious of it. But when I sinned, I really, really felt God's anger with me. He's angry with me. I can't just come to him. And I found myself in behavior like I need to pay myself back to God. I need to come back to him. And um, somebody shared something in a prayer meeting from Isaiah 54. I read out a verse and it totally destroyed me. It says in Isaiah fifty four, this is God prophesying to the people of God, saying about the future and about the cross and about Jesus and about this New Testament, this new covenant that we're a part of. It says this that will be like the days of Noah to me. What's that about? Well, when, when Noah he made a covenant, you know, with the rainbow, he said, That'll be like the days of Noah to me, that I will not turn away from you, and I will promise I will not be angry with you. Part of the promise of being in Christ is that God will not be angry with you. Some of you right now, you're in fear that God's angry with you. You know what? He was angry with Jesus at the cross. He was angry, and that sin has been dealt with. He's not angry at you. Now you're hidden in Christ. What Jesus has before the Father, this perfect affection, perfect love, this perfect relationship now, father has of jesus you have in him christ shields you from anger it's done in your worst sins your worst moments the things that you've properly screwed up and you have and i have we all have you you've the splat was big the bomb went off it was awful and you're devastated and people are angry at you like how could you do this one person who's not angry at you is your father in heaven not angry. Yeah, there might be consequences to it, but his heart towards you, even in that, is gracious. Son, yeah, you're right. This is a bit of a mess. Hey, let's talk. Let's work this through. And the enemy will pile on condemnation, tell you, he's angry with you. You can't come to God. You need to clean yourself up. That's lies. It says in Romans 8, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? That's this, God the Father has put you in Christ. Who can point a finger at you now? Get the best lawyers, barristers in the country. Your Honor, we find him guilty on these charges. Good for you. I don't. I don't condemn you. Christ has taken the punishment. Is that God saying, I don't mind if you sin either way, I'm cool? No. Sin is still relational. It still affects God. God but he isn't angry at you. Does that mean, oh, it's fine to sin. God's okay. No. We want to walk in righteousness. We want to pursue God. We want to enjoy a good relationship with him. But when you do screw up, God, your father, isn't angry at you. Does that make sense? And his mercy leads you to repentance. He still disciplines us. There's still consequences, but that's done out of a gracious heart. You tracking with me? So the final thing, we just go back to the chorus. Um. Next slide. This this journey. My brokenness. God's heart. The invitation. Come. Repent. Come find healing. What's the result? Broken lives will rise again. It says that. Uh. Broken years restored again. It says that in I think Lamentations that he restores the years the locusts have eaten. Locusts are the ones that like um destroyed crops. And sometimes a whole harvest would be gone for years. What's God like? He can restore those years. Some of you have got just broken years in your life, and you look back, what was that about? What on earth was going on there? That was just a joke. You know, God is doing stuff underneath the surface. He's able to restore years' worth of pain, years' worth of brokenness, and bring you to a place of freedom. Imagine Woody, just restored, better than he was even before. That's what God is like. Oh, he's gracious, and what does he do with our lives? He makes them a trophy of his grace. What do you do with trophies? You hold them up. You put them in places of honor. God loves to exalt you, put you in places of honor, not because you're really special, because it points back to his grace in your lives. Look what I've done to this person. Hey, this person, addicted and a mess and abused and hurt and making all kinds of foolish decisions. See what I can do with you, see what I can do with you. Righteous, walking before me in purity, knowing victory, walking in a life of worship. It's not pointing back to how good you are, it's pointing back to his grace. So, day three uh, on our worship seminar. This is about us as worshippers learning to stand even in our weakness, to know the heart of God, uh, to to be restorative, His gracious heart towards us, and to trust Him even in brokenness, and to love Him and adore Him even in that place. That makes sense. Great. I'm going to hand over to Anna, who's going to tell us some stories.
1: That was brilliant. Well done, Sae. Si. And it's a really good song too. Well done, babe. Very good. Um, okay, what I wanted to share with you—I knew, obviously, Simon wrote this song, and um, it came from a very like personal place for him. And he's explained uh, what that means to him, what it means to us. It's really, really great. Um, but I, what I wanted to share with you was um, a bit of my story, a bit of my testimony about how I learned in the most profound way about how gracious. God is. Is that all right? I just want to share a bit of my story with you. So it's a bit of a change of direction slightly, but um, yeah. Okay, so I um, really love worship. (laughs) I really, really love to sing to God. I really have done since I was a kid. I got saved at the age of eight, baptized in the Holy Spirit at nine, and I just started singing. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is great. Um, I love God. I love his love. I um, definitely went through a rough patch in my teens, but um, he held on to me and he kept me and um, yeah, I started to lead worship at the end of my teens, and I started to yeah, really enjoy that and um, really experience the Holy Spirit moving, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Fast forward um, two years, um, no, not two years, about four years, so I was about 24 at this point, and um, I got diagnosed with very severe depression. What the heck? <laughs> you know, like God's got a hold of your life, you're loving him trying to live right before him and then suddenly illness strikes and um, I don't know about you but like when I was in my late teens I knew nothing about depression like literally nothing like if someone said to me you've got depression I'd be like like what is that like what is depression oh is it you feel sad well yeah you feel sad and you, well can't you just feel better right totally ignorant totally ignorant no you can't feel better Depression, if you don't know, is, a, is, a, is an illness which is just horrendous. It's basically there's some chemicals in your brain. And when you get depression, those chemicals just don't work properly. So all the things that you take for granted, I take for granted, feeling happy. So, for example, like it's your birthday and you get a really nice present and that rush of emotion you feel. When you get severe depression, those emotions are gone. So all the happy feelings of every day are gone. And you have no happy feelings left. Every single morning, I mean, it's different for different people, but for me, this is my experience. I woke up every morning and it felt like the same feeling you get as when somebody's just died. And I'm taking the tone down here a little bit. This is <laughs> but try and bear with me. I think this is going to be important. The feeling you have is that somebody's died all the time. It's horrendous. And the the trouble is like we don't talk much about mental health and there's been a lot in in the news recently. There's been a lot, even the royal family is speaking out about it and it's wonderful. But um, there's still a lot of ignorance around the topic and, and, and I really didn't know anything about it. So it freaked me out and it started me questioning. What I got also was a lot of fatigue, so like chronic fatigue. So I was just getting more and more tired, sleeping for like 10 plus hours a day, just couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And I really loved God. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? I've tried my best, Lord, to live right by you. And now here I am, struck by this illness. And I can't do anything about it. And my hands are tied. Like, I really, really can't. I couldn't lead worship. I couldn't sing. I couldn't do anything. And even this is, like, one of the worst bits, which is why sometimes as Christians I think we find it hard to talk about depression is because what's even worse is it's not just the happy feelings that go You can't, well, I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but this, again, this is my experience. I couldn't even experience the presence of God. I couldn't feel it. So I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd had wonderful times in the Spirit, getting laid down on the floor, giggling for hours, all the works. And here I am. I go to pray, and I feel nothing. I feel nothing. And I'm like, God, I know, I've, I've seen too much of you to decide that you're not there but I'm not feeling anything right now. What is going on? And, um, yeah, so I, um, started to question, like, what is this about, Lord? I started to question him. I think, you know that God loves you. When you get saved, you know that God loves you. But then, you learn that love when you get tested. And this was me being tested. And I, um, you know, when hardship comes, that's when we really dig into what the love of God is and, and what he's like and what his character's like. And, um, so yeah, as I was saying, I, I got more and more fatigued, I, got, um, I had to take time off work, I couldn't work anymore, I literally couldn't go out of the house hardly at all, um, and then there was this pinnacle moment, which is actually quite funny, it's not funny, it's funny in hindsight, it wasn't funny at the time. Um, Simon, obviously my darling husband, is a wonderful worship leader, um, he does so brilliantly, he serves our church regularly leading worship. And um, obviously, it was quite hard for me because there I am. I know that I'm a worship leader. I know that I love to worship. Good, physically can't do it. My hands are tied behind my back. Meanwhile, my darling husband is coming out, leading the congregation in worship, and I'm like, "Oh, really? Really? This is really hard, God." And there we were one Sunday, and I'd got to the point, and I could not get off my couch. Sunday morning, guys, where should you be in church? No, not should. Where would I want to be is in church. I was laid out on my couch, could not get up. My husband is at church leading hundreds of people in worshipping Jesus. Can you just like imagine that feeling for a sec? I had nothing to give God. I was emptied. There was nothing. I had nothing impressive to show him and at that point we couldn't really unpick why it had happened i couldn't really unpick what brought on the depression that came later on and that 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 was that was amazing i had counseling and all sorts of things and that we worked through it but there i was lying on the couch unable to move my husband leading worship <laughs> two polar opposite situations obviously he's you know he was carrying it with me he's a wonderful husband he he did amazingly so i'm not it's nothing about him it was just my just it was just so stark you know so there i am And suddenly, I felt nothing. My feelings, my emotions at that point were just, there was nothing there. But in a place deeper than I've ever experienced in my life, something outside of feelings, outside of something physical, in a deep, deep, deep part of me, I suddenly knew that God loved me. And I knew I didn't have to do a thing. You know what? I couldn't do a thing. I couldn't do anything for him at that point in time. But it hit me like a smack in the face. I was like, there I was, like this. And I knew he loved me. I knew he loved me just as I was. And this is what Sai's talking about just now. It's like, um, you know, in verse 1, can we look at verse 1 again? And it says, uh, nothing good to show, I need you. And that was me. Nothing good to show. I mean, what did I have in that moment? What impressive thing could I have in that moment I did love God but I felt nothing, nothing good to show I need you and then out of nowhere I just realized that what the grace of God is. It's in spite of, of all of that, my, I couldn't control that situation, I couldn't figure it out, I couldn't offer him anything yet he loves me, he loves me. Um, so why am I telling this story? What's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with you guys? That's my story well, the first thing I feel like I wanted to do is to break perception. So I think one, sometimes you can look at people, especially people on a stage, and you can think, well, they've all got it together. Of course they can lead worship because they've got this, that, and the other. And I'm here to tell you today that's just not true. Like, you guys are here because you, you want to worship, right? And sometimes you can disqualify yourself because you think, well, I haven't all got it all together. And I'm here to tell you today, like, neither have I. Join the club. Me and Sai, we've not got it together, but God loves us. And he's gracious towards us. And in spite of all of that, he wants us to worship him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The second thing I wanted to do, this is the other reason I'm sharing this story, is because I want to speak over you today what he spoke over me. I want to speak over you these words. Maybe just shut your eyes for a sec. What I want to speak over you is this. In spite of everything you've done wrong, even if you're not in control of your circumstances right now. Even if you're on the high top or in the valley low. Even if you've got nothing to bring him or if you've got loads to bring him. God loves you. He's proud of you. He adores you. And he loves your worship to him. If you can feel something or if you can feel nothing, he loves you today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And here's number three. Here's my third reason for wanting to share that with you. I feel like there might be some of you here who um, have learned a way of doing things with God where you feel like you get into a tough sport and you're just struggling. You're just thrashing around and you're just like, no. No, Lord, it's meant to be like that. My life's meant to be like that. This isn't cool. That's not cool. And there are times when we obviously need to wrestle with God, and we need to take hold of things and say, "No, that's not right, Lord. Pray, break through." But what I mean is, when you know you get in a tight spot, and um, and you just think, "I just need to break out of this. I need to try harder. I need to do more. I need to pray." Like Simon was saying earlier, I need to get up earlier in the morning. I need to pray harder. I'm not doing well enough. And I feel like there might be some of you today that you just need to know that squeeze of God around your arms. You know like when a child thrashes out like sometimes my kids I've got three little girls and sometimes they just go mental like they just like for some reason they've missed a nap or something and they just go crazy on me and I'm like and I'm like whoa what happened to you? And sometimes I just have to hold them. Just have to hold them. And I'm just like it's okay. It's okay. It's all right, I've got you. It's all right, we can have a nap later, <laughs> you know? And I feel like some of you, just you just might need to feel the squeeze of God and you need to just stop thrashing. Just stop thrashing around, stop striving after his love. He loves you. Just let the love of God sink into you. Receive his grace over your life. Receive the fact, get over the fact that you haven't done anything but he loves you. We have to get over that. Because we want to work hard. We feel like we need to, we feel like we want to earn it, don't we? Like something inside of us is like, but I want to prove myself. And God's like, I love you. Don't bother. I've done it. So I think some of you, that, um, that's more of a specific word. But like, I feel like, yeah, there might be a so few of you here today that you just, you just need to stop thrashing and you just need to receive the grace of God. And he's calling out your worship. He's calling out your love and your adoration. And it's not by hard work. It's by receiving the grace of God in your life. So, yeah, that's me done. Um, I am obviously, I've brought up quite a heavy topic today. So, I will be around at the end if anyone wants to chat. And we do have like wonderful ministry team here. So, me and Sire, yeah, we're going to, what are we going to do, darling?
0: Um, thanks so much, Anna, for your <laughs> honesty and um, sharing that. It's wonderful.
1: Oh, I forgot a bit. Can I just add a little bit on the end? Broken years restored again. I'm completely healed of depression. It's gone. Um, Yeah. It was actually a really miraculous story. God's worked it through with counselling. I've dealt with a lot of things. Part of it was circumstances. Part of it was my own heart issues. But the day I gave birth to my first child, I was freed of depression and I've been free ever since. So there is healing and there is restoration and God is. I just want to confirm to you what Sai said about God is a God of restoration. That's my story and that's your story. So I just wanted to share that as well.
0: Quite an important bit too. Quite an important (laughs) part. Missed out there. I think it's worth saying, too, that the the journey of restoration hasn't been pain-free. Oh, no. So it's not like there's a moment where you're like, um, they've got a dance routine, they're just going to sort out the details. No kidding. Uh, Yeah, it's not like there's a moment of healing, and I'm fine, and I'm back again. Here I am, everyone. Actually, the restoration can take uh, a while and can often, even that process, be painful, but it takes you to a place of flourishing and strength, and that's the nature of God. So here's what I want to do. Um, Why are we speaking on this topic on a seminar stream on worship? This is about Jesus and his glory. Um, What's the first commandment? To love God. It's not about singing. It's about loving, loving from your heart. Our brokenness, our sin, our mess can often be the thing that stops us from loving God, from pouring out worship on him, I want to invite you to bring your weaknesses, bring your hurt, bring your um, unanswered prayer even, bring your uh, sense of brokenness, your mess, your shadows, and just bring them before him. Uh, so we're going to take some time, even just now, just to come before him in worship. just close our eyes together before we start singing a song just take a moment to come to him come before the throne do what Nathan and Lou were teaching on morning one come before the throne of God start to lift your eyes to him even start to thank him the way he's been holding you might not have even known that. He's been holding on to you. He's got you. Some of you, I feel God wants to persuade you. He's not angry with you. And the thing you need to do is actually not look down.